Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Dabaoki, David Brothers, Chip Starsky, and myself, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, please follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. This week, we are reading Mitsuru Adachi's Cross Game, published by Viz Media. It says here in the book it was copyright 2005, so this is not a fresh or new book in any way, shape, or form. This has been out for quite some time. It is available in both digital and print, which is nice. Print in eight volumes that range from triple volumes, three and ones, to double volumes, two and ones. The long Shonen Sunday series. Translated by Ralph Yamada and Lillian Olson. Touch-up art and lettering by Jim Keefe and Mark McMurray. And cover design by John Kim and Jody Yoshika. Edited by Yuki Murashige and uh, Andy Nakatani, which is good. Hey, Andy, if you're listening, it's nice. I haven't <laughs> seen you in a couple of years. Hope you're well. Shonen Sunday is the Shogakukan counterpart to Shueisha's Shonen Jump magazine. These are the two big competing Shonen magazine. Three, if you count Kodansha's Shonen magazine. But this is like Shonen Sunday. It has like a vibe to it that's very different to its Shonen work than Shonen Jump's stuff does. Shonen Sunday is maybe best typified in the West here by the work of Rumiko Takahashi. Although, it's pretty safe to say that Mitsuru Adachi is, is the big dog, is the big man on campus when it comes to Shonen Sunday. He sort of has been one of the stalwart figures of the magazine for the last 40 years, maybe, maybe longer. Big dude, and mostly known for his sports manga. Touch is a big one. Mix is a big one. He's done lots of different kinds of baseball and sports manga. And Cross Game, much to, I anticipate, Chip's chagrin, is in fact a manga about baseball. So... Apologies in advance, readers. I know you don't love baseball. A lot of people don't love baseball. A lot of people don't love sports manga. But I picked this because I think it's maybe one of the best manga I've ever read. I'm going to go down on this, and I'm going to like set the tone in a positive way. We'll see how far we get. <laughs> I really love this. Sorry. Thank you, Chip. And I will say, Mitsuru Adachi hooked me with his short story collection that Viz published. It's sadly out of print now called Short Program many, many years ago. A short program, volume one and two were short story collections, which is actually my favorite kind of thing in manga a lot of the time. I much prefer short story collections to longer series for the most part, or single volumes at least. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get to Allrender Meguru, actually, because his short story collections, Hiroki Endo's short story collections, kicked my ass back in the day. So so yeah, so I don't know. I've said enough. Let's, <laughs> let's see what other people think about this week's book. Deb, we haven't started with you in a while. I would love Deb, to know what you thought of Mitsuru Adachi's Cross Game. Oh, well, this is simple. I love it. It's great. It's a really lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> I generally love sports manga, and it's well known that I love sports manga, and, I, and I'm and i not a sports watcher. <laughs> well, mm. All I know about baseball is I'll go to, the, I'll go to the, the field, a ball will get hit, and there's expensive beer. I hear there's beer. Yeah, that's kind of my kind of my deal with baseball for the most part but as well. Cross game, on the other hand, you like you don't have to know much about baseball to appreciate it, and mm. it's very different than other sports manga in that it's he mm, Mitsuru Dachi does kind of this interesting singular mix of humor and slice of life moments that are very quiet, as well as very moving characters and relationships. So it's mm. kind of this really unique type of vibe in his books. It's both soothing and touching and exciting. It's satisfying. Like there's, there's definitely good guys and bad guys. There's romance. Mm. There's some cheesecake 
shots of the girls in skimpy outfits sometimes, little panty shot once in a while. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a little bit of everything you might want from a shonen manga, <laughs> it, depending if that's the kind of shonen manga you like. I that like it. One though. might want from a shonen manga, not necessarily you or I, of course. That would be <laughs> scary. <a> last <laughs> that's great. I really feel like, yeah, there's something something here about it being like such a prototypical shonen thing, but also a lot more. And I thought that that was really curious. So let's go to our shonen expert, I would say. David, what did you think of Cross Game? I feel like you're more of a, a jump or even maybe a Kodansha guy. So how is the shonen Sunday shonen sitting with you? It's funny you say that. I'm a shonen jump or possibly a Kodansha guy. Cause I think I'm a Kodansha seinen guy and like a weekly shonen jump guy mm. in general, maybe. Because I love, you know, Dragon Ball and that kind of thing. But I have a soft spot for Rumiko Takahashi. So I guess I like Shonen Sunday by default. And what I like about this <laughs> is that it's clearly the work of someone who. It says in his bio he has multiple mega hits. And you can tell by how slow the entire first volume yeah. is. Like it takes so long to get to what would have been the point in any other manga, which I don't know if we want to spoil it yet, but something happens at the end of the first third of the book Mm -hmm. that sort of directs the rest of the book, like the next seven triple volumes. And it's cool to see someone slowly piecing the story out like that, working in like a really masterful way. The, I kept thinking of Alan Davis while I was reading this because it's almost a, an artist who's timeless, but like a little bit classic. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really feel like someone who started drawing after Dragon Ball came out, for instance, because he's been around for, you know, a very long time, but his style doesn't feel old in that sense either. So, yeah, I like it. It's really good. It's very touching. I don't like baseball, but I do like this a lot. And I'm curious to see what Chip thinks, because there's so much in this that kind of maybe came up during ping pong or during blank canvas in different forms. And this is like the raw, unadulterated version of a lot of that kind of thing. Mm. Also, this doesn't feel like it's aimed at kids, I would also want to say. But we'll get into that later. I wonder about that. I want to, yeah, I want to talk about that for sure because isn't it? Yeah. But also, uh, it's, it's, anyway. it's aimed at kids in the way that like, like a Judy Bloom novel is yeah. aimed at kids, right? Like it's like kids read it, but mm. it, 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 it levels them up. Yes. I think as a reader. So uh, let me preface this by saying, I don't know if anyone here is a shark tank fan. <laughs> I'm aware of it. You know, it's the sharks and they, you know, they, they, they make deals with the inventors that come in. Mm-hmm. And one of the sharks is a woman named Lori. And every season she does this thing where she pulls out what she calls the golden ticket. It's like a little ticket she has made of gold and all the other guys, mm-hmm. all guys on the shark tank panel groan. And roll their eyes because here she goes again with her golden ticket, <laughs> in which she offers it to the contestant, the inventor, because once a season she accepts the deal as is given. There's no mm. going back and forth. This is my golden ticket for the season, probably. This mm. is one of my favorite books we've read on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one of my favorite books ever. <laughs> I'm going to continue reading 100%. It's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's got amazing characters, stunning layouts. Yeah. Beautiful detail when called for, but amazing simplicity throughout. The gestural work is, is, is some of the best I've seen with a lot of the baseball stuff. It, it's amazing. It, it, it's really, really great. And like, we're going to have to get into spoilers a bit. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, if you're listening to this and you intend to read this, unsubscribe to our podcast right now. <laughs> throw your throw your phone away. <laughs> just to be safe, unsubscribe to the MSX newsletter as well, just in case. <laughs> Unfollow us, us all on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, block us. Yeah, block us on Twitter. That's exactly it, David. Yeah, block, actually, block. Yeah. Or you could just, if you look at the, if you look at the description of whatever pod, of the podcast and whatever you're reading this on, it'll say skip forward to this point to avoid spoilers. Probably after the break, yeah. you can do that too. A little Don't bit less intense, a little bit less intense reaction. But the 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 death of Wakaba is like mm. just out of nowhere. It just hit me in the gut, yeah. and it's so beautifully done and so beautifully paced out, in which we don't, you know, we don't see it. There's yeah. no like moment of her trying to save somebody and succumbing. So you're just, it, it, it's funny because you're just left with, you're left with the memory of her the way the other characters are. Mm. Because they don't yeah. really, they only either, when, whenever they revisit her, they either use the same art from before mm, or yeah, just that, that same that, that same image like from her funeral. Mm-hmm. In, in one of the best scenes, it's just a page where he thinks he sees her. Ah. And then the girl turns, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's like clearly not her. Just yeah, just an, uh, just a, such an amazing choice, especially that early in this book, mm-hmm. and to really kind of set up. Because I was worried, you know, I was worried it was going to be like a weird love triangle. I'm just like, oh, I don't really need to see this kind of weird love triangle. <laughs> but it's kind of a, it, it, I guess it's kind of a love triangle where there's a ghost or a memory yeah. kind of involved. And also, it really felt kind of true to how kids react to this kind of thing. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah. Because even I was kind of taken aback by, like, Ko not really, like, going, what? No, no. Or just like that. Just like, because as a kid, when stuff like that would happen to me, it would take a while to just process what's actually happening. Like you're just kind of watching the parents grieve yeah. and their suits and everything going on. And it takes you a little bit to kind of catch up to that. Yeah, and oh god, also the other scene where the, the, the littlest sister, you know, you know, got like first place whatever in the oh, art that, contest. Yes. <laughs> and she's like she's too young. So she's like smiling, she's like, Oh, they probably just felt bad for me. Mm-hmm. And she like smiles about it. It's yeah. like, Oh god, just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there's so yep. there's so many great touches and so many great characters throughout this. I just I, I just love it. Did you see the death coming? Not to jump the gun, but no, I didn't. Okay. And I don't know if it's because like I probably wasn't like the whole chapter the whole chapter before she dies, there's some clear telegraphing yeah. going on that I didn't pick up the first time either. When she died, it hit me like a like hit me in the gut. Mm. The yeah, I, I maybe but, didn't pick up on a lot of it because I was probably just really angry that Chris tricked me into reading one volume that's actually three volumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, you know, I I read it all last night. And uh, I had a bunch of coffee that during the day. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, and I'm just going to be up and I'll just like speed through this. No problem. I'm just like, what? 570 pages. What? <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of just read like the first bit. It's just being like, oh, OK, so they're setting up, you know, he's going to be really good at sports and stuff. And they're, he's going to join a team and, you know, just kind of where I thought it was going to go. And then so I, I didn't really I didn't see the death coming at all. And it really, really changed the story for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I love the fact that, you know, I mean, all the games in this are just like pickup games of baseball. Like, there's no there's no real big stakes 
throughout this. It'll, it'll change. Oh, obviously it'll change. But like the fact that like it was 560 pages and at the end of it, you're just like, oh, so they're setting up like <laughs> it's not an important. Yeah, but it's game. not even like it's like not even baseball against other people. It's like the two teams within the school. <laughs> And the evil. I'm oh, sorry. I don't know. I'm dominating this a bit too much. No, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. The evil. Oh, I died laughing at the evil principal. The evil intern principal. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the drawing was like yeah, so the evil. drawing just reminded me of like an Akira bad guy character. And <laughs> yeah. Well, what was it? He said there was one panel that almost killed me. I screen grab so much from this. It's actually really hard for me to find things now. Oh, 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 yeah, it's a close-up of him going, I see, bullying the weak, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That was it. Yeah, yeah. You had it on your screen. <laughs> it was so, it was so the perfect. Best. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. is. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's an amazing bit of cartooning, too. Yeah, the, the distinct characters yes. are really, really awesome. So I'm going to go back to something that everyone said. First up, David. The thing that twigged this for me as being like old, older style of manga is the ears. Yeah. Because he draws ears very similar to how Toriyama does, oh. like giant ears on his yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. And it's something that people don't really think about when they draw Toriyama style characters. Because from on the front, he doesn't draw the ears almost at all because they've usually got like crazy, you know, Saiyan haircuts. Yeah. So it kind of, <laughs> kind of obscures them. But his characters all have big, goofy ears, which is such an endearing character trait for a manga like this, especially when they're like, li- like really little, like little kids. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. like page 13 where it says, I was so surprised my ear blew up in size. Yeah, that was an early <laughs> early on thing. Yeah. And and yeah, Deb, I was rereading this today and I thought you had read it before as well, right? Yeah, like I was like trying to think of like how is Deb going to read this a second time? Like is it just going to be like breezing through it or not? Because I was reading it and I was like I could start seeing the threads. This is what I wanted to ask you. I could start seeing the threads of her death being planted. Mm-hmm a full two or maybe three chapters before she passes away. And it's so subtle and so masterful because he doesn't tip his hand, but like things like, yeah, I'll be back, you know, in a couple of days. And you're just sort of like, when you know what's coming, that whole chapter before she leaves for the swimming, Mm -hmm. uh, but especially, and then the chapter while she's away for the whole chapter. And then the chapter after you find out she's died and it's just like almost a silent. I like, I broke down crying this afternoon rereading this because it was, and I knew it was coming. And that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did not need that. It was good. It got me in the right headspace for therapy. But the, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, like you, th- you, you think you're reading a book and you know what's going to happen because it's plot. But when you're in it, if it's good, it affects you almost like it did the first time, like when it's just out of nowhere. And I could feel it happening when they like when his dad gets the phone call and it's that silent panel of just his face dropping mm-hmm. and not in a cartoony way, but still cartooned because it's all cartooned is like. Oh man, that that's where it. And then and yeah, all the remembrances. Mm-hmm. And- His face dropping is more of a posture thing than a facial expression thing, too, because he's like standing ramrod straight. Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, and you're he's right. this guy who's been because it just is just like yeah, uh, like it's, it, yeah. it's like that really famous quietly drawing of Superman from the side versus Clark <laughs> yeah, from yeah, the side. yeah. All posture. It's all it's all storytelling, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the way it unfolds right in that chapter, right? Like I think Chip mentioned was how beautifully paced it was. Like it starts with like you yeah. see the the river, and then you see the batting the batting cage center is closed. And a few days later, you see Ko's parents get a call, 
And then there's a news broadcast that Ko is not really paying attention to, but explains the circumstances. And then there's a funeral, which is largely silent and reaction. Mm. So it's just kind of like the, you know, there are definitely more hysterical and more emotional ways to depict these events, but they're very quiet and understated. And yet they still, like, I think you are maybe the third or fourth person, like when we announced we were going to talk about this book on Twitter, someone said, I remember reading this book and crying on the way home from school after borrowing it from the library. Like it really touches people. Yeah. And no one knows what's coming. Like everyone's ever done a really good job at not (laughs) spoiling this one, which I think is really good. And it's done in a way, I think it's done in a way, like you were saying that it is like how kids process this stuff. Like it's done in a way that it's not hysterical. It's like letting all of the characters, it's letting, well, you see, you only really see things from Ko and then you get like one scene from the littlest sister and one scene with Alba. But it's really just about how they're processing this thing. And then the thing that is maybe most successful about that to me is with the beginning of the second book, which would have, would have been the second book where it jumps forward like five years, you where they're starting in grade nine, you don't get a resolution to their grief. You don't get like a pat, like we're going to do this for, we're going to do this for Wakaba and we're going to go and be based. Like you don't get any of that. And you still, you're still, they're still processing it. You realize that like five years later, they haven't dealt with this grief. They're all just like kind of move forward in their own little ways. And they're all still dealing with the like fallout of this event and their, their own trauma. And it's, things don't resolve. Things don't always resolve in real life. And saying that things don't resolve is sometimes a lazy way to do a comic book, right? <laughs> you could just be like, ah, things don't resolve. I ran out of pages. We're done. This is the opposite of that. This guy's just... Like I was so struck reading this today, and I didn't want to put this in the intro because I was worried about biasing things. But like, he's just so good. Yeah, like he's just so good at comics. It's killing. Yeah. It's killing me reading these pages, seeing that. Like, I'm just gonna take a full page and show you what's going on near the playground before we zoom into the playground. Just like the water dripping out of the tap, and like mm. take a moment and establish a shot and let it breathe because I'm not in a rush. Because like we're all gonna have to deal with this for well. We're going to have to deal with this for a long time and also 17 more volumes. <laughs> I disagree that they don't find, that they don't like resolve their feelings though, actually. Like I see what you're saying, but I think that it's more like yeah. the resolution was when like Ko realizes, oh, I should cry. And when yeah. Yeah. Oba was like sort of using pain to get through the grief a little bit with the batting. And yeah. I think that let them come to grips with reality, but they still have to live with the grief. You know? Like Akaishi, right? When he later on sees Momiji, when Momiji mm-hmm. is the same age yeah. as Wakaba when she died, like yeah. that expression God. on his face, and he says, "Oh, it, it looks like," he, and then Ko says, "Looks like her, right?" Yeah. Or yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. That was, I, that was like the third time I cried in the book. I think. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like I feel like I'm that's gonna, not. I'm not going to actually play this card because I think that what you're saying is legit. Yeah. Like, is like a definitely a way to read this, but. For me, especially having read the series, and I didn't read past volume three or past the end of this book, sorry, Mm -hmm. again on this reread, but I have obviously read it before. It all really feels to me now like coping. Like they're finding Mm -hmm. ways to cope with her loss, Mm -hmm. but they haven't really come to, they haven't resolved it. Okay. They haven't resolved their feelings about it. And you could see that in the way that Ko and Alba are interacting. You could see that in the way that, like, even the littlest daughter, which I was, but she, Momiji, they're all, keeps they're the all fact leaf that her and Ko have been playing catch. 
Yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even. Momichi yeah. is maple leaf. And then they work at the Clover Coffee. Oh my god, shop, which is also four leaf clover. Jesus. <laughs> ah, perfect. <sighs> so, so yeah, Momichi and Ke- and Ko are playing catch for a full year, and she she clearly is keeping that from Alba because she knows how strongly Alba feels about Ko and like doesn't feel good about him because of the relationship with the sister that she lost, and yeah, like. Like there's so much there that gets unpacked, even in this volume, mm-hmm. about their feelings and their relationships and their interrelationships between all the like main characters we've got so far. That like, I can say I was blown away again by how these characters bounce off of each other just in this book, and it plays out over the next. It's not like big reveals and like <laughs> uh, I, I want to put like I want to do that like soap opera like 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 organ music like chime in here. It's not reveals like that. It's more like slow reveals of like how these people actually feel. Yeah. And that comes out in a natural way when something in the story does sort of let it come out mm-hmm. and let those characters express that idea. Like seeing Momiji when she's the same age as when Wakaba died. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that stuff to come too. And I, I don't mind spoiling that part of it anyway. Mm-hmm. I want to go, I want to lighten it up a little bit. I want to talk about comics as comics in this one. And there's a couple things in here that like comics as comics that I think are really interesting. And the first one I want to start off with, and it's something we've talked a lot about is how hard it is to make comics. (laughs) (laughs) He has a whole chapter. This book ended by, Oh, it's the end of it's the, it's the winter break. It's going to be the double volume. And Oh my God, none of you realize how hard this is for me. I got to do it's like 36 pages of comics before the end of the year. So I can collapse. Like that's a chapter in this book. Comics is comics. Was there something that stood out to you in the same way as him talking directly to the readers about how hard comics are? <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I both I enjoyed the bits of comedy where it was like plugging. Where at one point, like <laughs> plugging something else. Yeah. But also, it's like it doesn't feel like the kind of story that needed that. Like the story is so good. It'd be like it'd be like if in Akira there was like a look at the reader like hmm. <laughs> oh, Tokyo's about to explode like amazing like i think i think this is on that level like i think this is i think this is as good as akira in a different way yeah and the only thing that detracts from it is that stuff but that's a very mm. that's a that's a very old style of right? that's a very old style of manga yeah. right when oh, yeah. Kizuka does this he refers yeah. to, he inserts himself so yeah, the, it reminded me of the, the, the Tezuka stuff from the book that I forgot to read. That's what I was going to ask, actually. Yeah. How did you? Because you found it in the, sort of the same way. Like your complaints about the Tezuka com- comedic inserts were very similar, and this has just become part of the language of serialized manga, mm-hmm. especially shonen. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I figured. Like, because it obviously it also sets it of a time when they're promoting, you know, <laughs> cross promoting yeah. their books. <laughs> But, th- but that's his role of Adachi, right? Adachi kind of sets himself up like, it's Uncle Mitsuru here back again to tell you another story. Like, hi. Yeah. You know? Yeah, if it, was a, if it was a comedy, I probably would have been better with it. But the comedy is just kind of like, it, it's like, it's a relationship drama sports book that has some punctuated bits of comedy. Mm, yeah so that's why all that stuff kind of took me out maybe a, a bit more than it normally would and yeah like i i recognize that it's an old style thing it's funny like when i uh, i think i got maybe 100 pages in and i actually went back to check the copyright on it because i'm like did chris just made me read a book from the 70s 
<laughs> which I sus- which I suspected because the cover feels very very old. Yeah, and I was I was very surprised that it was two thousand five. Yeah, well, he's been working pretty consistently. Uh, Wikipedia says he got his start, I think, in like yeah, the er- mid seventies, early seventies. Okay. Oh no, sorry, it's prior to sixty nine. But when he graduated, he'd been submitting works while he was still in high school to Calm Tezuka's wow. magazine. So there you go, he's a student at yeah. Tezuka. And then following that, he moved to Tokyo, began to work as an assistant, got his professional debut in the 1970s doing short stories. And then his first big ones were like in the late 70s and early 80s. And Touch, which was his baseball serial from 81 to 86, which is still considered the best baseball manga of all time in Japan, by the Mm -hmm. way, is still like was his big break. And after that, he was just a superstar, like a megastar from that point on. So it's not surprising to me that you that you feel that way it's just like it's the same thing with i was having a discussion about a seinen manga that will remain unnamed you want to read this book and it's really good like it's a really really good book but it runs in a like a like a sh- older shonen sort of seinen magazine weekly and you got to have the fan service to keep the, the readers interested you got to have the little bits of like the the panty shots the like shower scene the trip the 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 episode where they go to the beach and they're everyone's wearing bikinis and you got to have the episode where they're all in the onsen and everyone's wearing yukata because even if the story's good readers in the home country expect that and want it like they want they don't even see it the way that we do like those kind of inserts and jokes are invisible in the same way that i don't know a lot of north american comic ticks are totally invisible to us unless we really pull back and put our critic hats on David, do you want to put your critic hat on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about that. This book actually has one of my favorite things in all comics. There's this really dumb running joke where a character who's very confident and boisterous and yada yada will introduce themselves. Yeah. And the main guy's yeah. like, who are you again? <laughs> and at the beginning of volume two, like right after the tragedy, they introduce Sonda, who is that character like in a heartbeat. Yeah. He's always asking to be introduced and he gets, keeps getting shut down. He's such an idiot. <laughs> and if you look for at Hermanos and best joke on Twitter, I've got like a thread that's been going since 2018 of the best joke from different manga. Tons of examples <laughs> for, for Chris's show notes. But we'll put it in the show notes. I'm gonna... Yeah, just raid the yeah. thread. It's super good. I can't explain why it's so funny to me, but it just always works when I see it. Oh, it's super funny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I died. I died. And, and he's like, he's an idiot. But also like... It's funny when he's first presented, you're like, "Oh, is he going to be like the guy that I hate in this?" Yeah. But then you quickly like love him. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's just like, "Oh, of course she'll show up at the mall for the day." Because I asked her, "Oh, why would I need to phone her?" Like, "Oh, you beautiful little dummy." And then so the, fact, the fact that he's like, he's on like the the A level team, but he's at the bottom of that. Just yeah, add yeah. some pathos to that character. It's great. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was really good, a way of introducing a character that is like hate, like easy to hate, yeah. mm-hmm. like has a punchable face, but as a whole personality. But you kind of get on his side because he's so pathetic. Yeah. Oh, master. And people see his worth too. The cool coach, like the older coach who's clearly going to be the focus of the series, is like, oh, mm-hmm. he sucks at pitching, but he'd be a great shortstop. He could be like a flashy showboaty guy. So, like, he yeah. sucks, but only because he's not doing what he, like, he's not playing to his strengths, I guess. Yeah. yeah, And that sort of speaks to the approach of the series in general, mm-hmm. where you meet these three guys early on who are the bullies. You know, um, Akaishi's like the toughest kid in the school and his partners are like the third and fourth toughest. Mm-hmm. And by the time <laughs> the flash forward comes around, 
he's on the baseball team and doing well. And the other guy is the toughest kid in the school. Like the, yeah. the balance yeah. of power switch. But they're all good dudes is the weird part. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed the fact that they turned out to be good dudes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, I think it was Devil Man where Chip really liked the, the central casting delinquents. Like the straw in their mouth and like the teeth. <laughs> yeah. And this is a book full of those characters, but like taken seriously for the most part. Mm. When they bullied the third years into staying on the team, they're like, you can quit when we want you to quit. We need a full baseball team. So good. Oh, man. (laughs) That was really good. Deb, was there something that stood out to you about the comics of these particular comics? Something comics-y? Just the character designs? Mm. He kind of telegraphs who's going to be the romantic rival. (laughs) Like, who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? Their personalities are conveyed in how their facial expressions, like the, like yeah. the scholarship student who's kind of who's really good and he's arrogant. Like you know, he's gonna mm. he and Alba are gonna mix it up. <laughs> 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 Whereas you know, like the like I think I had the I put on page four fifty where it's the manager of the team. Like she's this round girl with pigtails, and then the three other oh, yeah. delinquents. It's like the care that he puts into making each character's face. And head shape distinct and different in a cartoony yeah. way that normally would seem off putting and weird, but it just you just go with the flow with this one. Yeah. The only the only problem I had telling characters apart was actually Ko and Aoba, who is like a boy and a girl, and it's just they're both in that sort of like short, dark haired yeah. baseball uniform wearing space. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny because mm-hmm. usually it's like I only draw the girls one way, and it's like in this now there's like tons of different looking girls everyone's really unique and interesting i thought that that was really cool it felt very on purpose yeah. because like page 346 which is one that i uh, highlighted uh, where it actually shows oh, yeah. them both in the exact same pose oh. like it, they're the exact same drawing just yeah. with different yeah. hair posed mm-hmm. perfectly that's got to be on purpose it I has to be that. that's it really has good. To be. they even say later in the yeah. book how Alba's complaining about like the type of guy that Ko is, and her sister's like, "Look, your clothes are ripped too. Like you're two of a kind. Like, <laughs> yeah, get over it." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On four forty six, yeah, really like Deb was saying, the only character drawn as like a traditionally pretty girl, like you would see in manga like this, is like the slightly evil manager for the varsity team, mm-hmm. and she's the only one with lips. Like it's so, yeah. it's such a funny juxtaposition that this is a book where like tomboys reign supreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's the grade nine girl, and she's wearing makeup which is probably kind of mm. scandalous like not too scandalous they live in Nakano, but like still a little bit scandalous compared to the other girls at the school especially the girls that we've met up to that point who even like the older sister who's like kind of traditionally yeah. pretty and whatever has like real homemaker mom vibes because probably she was forced into that role when her actual mom died which is we get into that sorry they get into that we probably won't get into it 445 right before the introduction of the manager is a great drawing of Aoba uh, yeah. in just a tracksuit mm-hmm. like super yeah. good Absolutely. And a giant orange cone. I'm not sure about that part. (laughs) But don't you think it's kind of interesting? Like when we talk about comics, it's like the, there's all this very quiet mood setting type things, like just trees and just water and Mm -hmm. like streets. And then, then every now and then there is like a super dynamic sports sequence with lots of diagonal panels and speed lines and stuff like that. It's kind of neat. Yeah. He telegraphs these recurring motifs like the you know the the t- the motif where the person has the catcher's mitt over their head and the yeah. ball lands in it and they're like whoa what was that <laughs> yeah 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 I want to talk about as uh, 
Scott McLeod would call them the aspect to aspect panels. Those are really huge for me. So I have a problem when I read books. If I get into a series, I actually just read it till it's done and time and space be damned. So <laughs> this podcast has actually been really healthy for that, where it's like, <laughs> don't read ahead. If you read Akira 4 now and 5 and 6, it's going to be weird when you have to talk about the book when Akira 4 is <laughs> to talk about it. But I did like, for example, we, were, we did My Love Mix-Up. I just did the show notes for that. And while doing the show notes, I was like, oh man, you liked this so much. So I just stopped and I just read all of volume two. And then I got to the end of volume two. It's like volume three has been released. And I'm like, I went to click it and I'm like, I would actually like to get these up on time this week. It was still very late, but still almost on time. So for this, I remember the first time I read it, I just read it all the way through all eight Jeez. double volumes. One sitting? Wow. Yeah, I started in the morning. I went to like two or three at night or in the, in the morning again. My God. Wow. When you get, it's just so compelling. And I don't even, like, I don't like baseball. And it was just like, so and it was, it gets really baseball-y as it goes. But the thing that stuck out to me and the thing that I remember about it is those panels where you would get this page of like aspect to aspect transition panels where you're seeing a scenery, a moment, a moment to catch your breath. And especially as you're just like barreling through this manga series, <laughs> just plot on plot on plot and feelings and like shonen spirit and like all that kind of stuff. Those breathers, I would look forward to those more than even what I was reading at a certain point because it was just a moment to like luxuriate in comics and like how he was choosing to tell the story. And I wouldn't have to think about what was going on until I flipped the page. And then it was just like, it's bottom of the ninth and whatever, which happens. <laughs> I really like those. And I feel like, does anyone use those the same way as this? Like, I don't know that anyone uses it better in my estimation. I think that these kind of, I think ping pong had some of this when we read that. Yeah. Hellboy is there was a lot of moments in that. Mm. Which one? I think you say? Hellboy might be the only other, as effective option as this is that right yeah where he's willing to just take a couple couple pages and set a scene with like beautiful panels and atmosphere yeah, and yeah. sometimes even atmosphere, that's what i want to say rock, he'll drop something in you know a gargoyle or gravestone or something it's sort of like the yeah. the home run shots in cross game where it's just like a ball uh, flying into the air it doesn't like mean much but for pacing and atmosphere like you were saying it means a lot yeah yeah i love that about this particular book. I actually wrote a whole blog post about it back in the day. I didn't look it up before this episode because I didn't want to I didn't want to spoil it. But yeah, the idea of inserting time into comics, especially if you come from and this is manga explaining, so we can talk about this, a Western comics tradition where you're inserting time and you're forcing people to slow down and even stop and like be like, what's going on is huge. And I have a problem where I read, I just sometimes I get so into something I just start reading the word balloons or the captions and just sort of absorbing the art without really studying it the same way. And that's how I missed all the good jokes in the first volume of my love mix up <laughs> as did we all, I think, except Deb, but yeah, I want to, I, who's using time like this? Like who would you say other than like Mignola, like who's using time like this in comics so that if someone liked that person's comics, they might want to read cross game in like the North American market. I don't know. Comics. Hmm. It's all comics, people. It's artificial designations. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because it's used so specifically here and like in a way that if this didn't run in, in an anthology magazine, I don't think it would feel the same at all. It wouldn't. The storytelling would be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can afford to have like a slow issue of like three pitches in a magazine like this because there's like 400 other pages of comics for people to look at 
but like people get mad when you do it like a silent Superman issue for 20 pages. But it feels like the opposite. Like, I feel like if I was like, oh, you know, I love, I love this comic so much. I can't wait to read the next chapter in, in the anthology. And then it was just like five pages of like nothing happening. And then maybe a little thing. I'd be like, well, I gotta like, yeah, wait another week for this. <laughs> this has been easy for me just because, you know, I'm reading the three volumes and the ones sitting. I don't know if I could read this chapter to chapter, week to week. Yeah. Oh, look, our positions are reversed. You said the exact same thing to me and during Akira. <laughs> You're like, of course you could. You just read it a thousand times over and over again because you loved it so no, much. No, but this is... You came for me on that one. No, but this is this is different. Like, Akira, I could. This this mm. might be like... This is like slow. Like, like, like some of these like transition pages that go over multiple pages can can feel very very drawn out where right? i that didn't feel that way for me with akira i don't know it doesn't feel drawn out to me it feels like it's exactly right it feels perfect in every way and it is a shining jewel of manga <laughs> hey no it's a shining jewel of manga like i gave him my golden ticket chris what more do you want thank you but yeah but it's because i'm reading it in this like like all in one sitting not quite all in one sitting the way Chris Butcher reads <laughs> his books. I've gotten better. I've gotten better. This might be more complex than Akira, and that's partly why it wouldn't read as well, or I don't think it would read as well like week to week, because yeah. like Akira's story is very straightforward. Like it's masterfully done, but it's like a guy and his friends versus the robots and psychics. While this is more yeah. like, how does grief affect the rest of your life mm-hmm. on a certain level, or how does it change your motivations? How does it keep like the moment when Momiji's introduced in the second part, the middle third of the book, like it's right after he was looking at like a cap floating in water. Yes, I was just looking at that scene. Yeah. So like Page it's always 13. with him in a way that like maybe it's not for Kaneda because it's much more immediate in Akira. Yeah. Yeah. Does absolutely. that make sense? Yeah. Like absolutely. Yeah. The tension oh, is yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Akira is so in the moment. Yeah. There's almost like, like we have to take a second to note when things slow down to take a breather. Whereas this one, everything is like breathers and reflection and you have to take a note of when things speed up. Yeah. And I think that that's like, it's, it's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I did actually notice the first thing time things sped up actually. Mm-hmm. And it was in the first, the first book of the three that are in here. And it's just this like beautiful sequence of, I think it was the bully pitching for the first time. Oh. And it's just like all of a sudden, like Deb was saying, the angles change from being solid right angles on the like standard pages to things get a little diagonal. Yeah, that yeah, page yeah. right there, when that happened, yeah. all of a sudden everything's diagonal. It's speed lines. He's winding up the cartooning and the silhouette is so good. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, this could be this could be anything. And he's chosen to make it this all the way through. That is when you see evidence of an artistic choice versus just sort of you see evidence like like you sort of take everything in and just assume that that's like the way they they made the story and it sort of happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. It's hard to. That's a thing that's like dangerously close to being insulting to all artists everywhere. But <laughs> yeah. there's something really special there about like, oh, he can do anything yeah. as an artist. Like not anything. Everyone still has big ears, but he could do a lot of stuff, and so it adds a level of deliberateness to everything that's come before that panel up to that point. That's like, that's like the reverse of a rug pull. That's like, we got you a better rug and put it under your feet. <laughs> you wake up in a queen size bed all of a sudden. Like I had a twin this morning. Like, 
Yeah. That's page 37. And mm-hmm. the best part of that page for me is that it's all hard action, but there's like one panel of a guy going eek. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, like it's a change in tempo for the characters mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's. Uh... I loved that. Sorry, I'm gonna. This is like a Chris talks too much episode. Sorry, there's there's, there's right. one there's one thing in here that I did not like, and that's on page thirteen, mm-hmm. where when they introduce the the father of the girls, mm-hmm. and they they list his age as my age. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about that, by the way. Didn't like that because <laughs> a lot of a lot of manga gives the adults, you know, very much a background. If sometimes non-existent, like we read Kakegurui, no adults at all, right? Or barely. Mm-hmm. But this one, like they they make a point of telling you the the adult's full name and their age, which I thought was interesting. They have relationships with the characters that don't, and also don't necessarily need to move the plot mm-hmm. forward, but they kind of do because you get to see the characters bounce off at different people. Alba going over to Ko's mom's house to have croquettes. That whole thing, you could have cut that. That didn't really tell you anything you didn't already know, but it added so much texture in such a lovely way. Mm. I was also looking at page 350, 351, how it opens chapter nine. And it's just stairs and this little thing's going huff, puff, huff, puff, and Ko's running up the stairs. And then it just kind of builds there where Akaishi is like training Ko. And it leads into this whole conversation with, that he has with Ko about like, oh, she had this dream on that day about she was on her way to camp. She seemed so happy about telling you about it. Of course, I knew I wasn't the main character in the dream, but I was just happy being in Tsukishima's dream. So nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that was really lovely. And natural too. Like it didn't feel forced. And then when things do feel forced, I want to, yeah, I want to counterpoint that with the page explaining that Secretly, Ko is a vicious mimic, and he's really good at making fun of other people's voices. Yeah. Doing that joke and then lampshading the joke after explaining it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's like a page 363 where like there's a caption that says, Aoba is a bad cook, and then she bonks it with a yeah. broom. Enough with the unnecessary commentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another trope. Uh. The tomboy being bad at cooking that's in ranma one half i feel like it's in dragon ball i feel like chi chi might be a bad cook in in the early stuff there are all these like not stereotypes but like central casting for lack of a better you know that conan shows up at one point to solve a mystery on page 263 when the girls leah's hearts are disappeared from the gymnastics room i'm like (laughs) 90 percent sure that's a detective conan reference (laughs) <laughs> no, it is. It is. Instead of Akechi. Yeah. And so I think it's one of those things where if you know, like, Shonen Sunday, there's all, it's like reading Marvel Comics Presents or something, where there's just these in jokes that hit. Yeah, I, yeah. Hit hit. <laughs> it was the man all dressed in black wearing a ski mask, and that surprises you why? <laughs> yeah. And, like, that character in Conan is always, like, his kids are the smart one who solved the crimes, and he's the one who's just kind of, like, wildly guessing and benefiting from their, their genius. <laughs> Yeah, you may go. Really cute. <laughs> I do. I do like that guy's like uh, a final thing with Co. You better join a sports team in high school before you start stealing leotards too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a question. If anyone recognized the the ep- the one that's happening in the the lot where like the guy is like 
comes and plays catch with them and he can catch the even fastballs and he's like oh he sometimes goes and talks alcohol with my dad and he kind of smells like booze and it's like that's clearly a character is that a character from another adachi book that i didn't recognize uh it's Uh, the i can spoil it yeah yeah yeah. it's the president of the school it's the guy who's trying to be who's eventually possibly going to be replaced really who's supposed to be in the hospital yeah 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 but a secret i'm pretty sure i'm remembering that correctly but he's like very high up yeah and i that's great oh that's a wonderful like he's trope. one who believes in baseball, you know? So he kind of opens some doors down the down the line. Well, now I got to reread this for real. I guess I'm not doing anything else tonight. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but even that, like the rich old guy, like who gets it, but is eccentric about it and like kind of plays it low key. Hmm. Yeah. The emphasis on family owned businesses was really good. The old coach versus the arrogant new coach. Yeah, and then they, they really great. they really hammer at home that there's nothing redeeming about how strict he is. That he burns out his athletes, yeah. and uses them. Like there's no redemption for this one. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was so good. He's so evil. <laughs> yeah, but also like I don't know, totally believable in kind of a shitty way. I mean, he's very Michael Jordan. I mean, he's mm. the guy from Ping Pong who they turned down. Like he came yeah, to offer yeah, the scholarship, yeah. is like he has to play it our way, and this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. there's always the evil coach who gets results. Oh, it's weird too. I didn't actually read that character that way on this read through because they give that character a different and fuller backstory in the anime mm-hmm. that makes him not just like a one note, do it our way, burn out these kids or whatever, but like gives him. They give him as a coach a passionate backstory that is equal to butterfly joe and the nice lady who runs like there's a lot going on in that anime i'm gonna have to we have to start a separate podcast (laughs) anyway (laughs) i can't also tell how long we've been going so maybe we should rather than final thoughts can we talk about one scene that was maybe our favorite scene from the book which one i'm sorry you tell me what was your favorite scene (laughs) in the book david (laughs) Jeez, pass and i'll go second okay (laughs) Chip, you have a million screenshots, I assume. Pass, and I'll go third. Oh, man. All right, I've got mine. I'm ready. Okay, go. (laughs) All right. Page. There's always page number on this spread. It's when the older coach girl mentions, like, she found, or they found a perfect disposable pitcher for batting practice. And Ko and the two bullies walk up, basically like the Justice League, to interrogate the delinquent she's hanging out with and find out what's going on. And there's this line where he says, the portable team, striking fear into many hearts. It's just <laughs> yeah. great. <So> good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's so, like, there's a fight scene that we didn't see in between the gutters here. Mm. And everyone's taking it so seriously. And it shows, like, these kids really have a plan. They're really going to somehow get this coach fired and create an amazing baseball team. Yeah. And you, and you want to root for them, like a sports movie. Yeah. I really liked, I will go because I will give Chip and Deb more time. I really liked the title page for chapter 17, which is just the most Japanese possible thing. But it's, it's page 501. It's the faucets coming out of the wall outside over the concrete mm. barrier, which we don't have that kind of stuff in North America. And it's just to like get water and get washed up before going into the school sort of a thing. And then it immediately goes into the next page, which is one of those moments you know, moment to moment, aspect to aspect kind of transitions where it's like the netting around the field, the baseballs all piled up that have been polished next to the bats. And then Aoba on the mound shuffling her feet. 
just before she finally pitches to the snobby kid and it's just like oh it feel it feels good like it feels like i'm there like you can hear the crickets chirping and it's like warm and nice and it's like this showdown that's finally going to happen and it's just yeah it feels it felt really good getting to that moment and like how it wraps up and how she sort of burns herself out and but she's not willing to back down there's great resolution to that setup but it's like it's almost like when you like it's almost like the putting on the putting on the boots before you go to war like lacing up your boots and then walking out the door kind of a thing it's like that slow zoom into the thing that's about to happen to like get you ready for it really dug that and it's such a little scene there's like actually probably two dozen like that in this this book but that was the one that i screen kept because i was like it is such a perfect example of this time and this place made me really made me really miss japan actually but nice anyway chip are you ready to go there are so many it's actually hard to narrow it down like <laughs> the previously mentioned akahashi training co scene mm-hmm. there were so many there were yeah. so many nice moments during that like including the when he yells fight and he has to pretend to be like like <laughs> boxing behind him <laughs> just to throw them okay. off the scent and then it, as deb pointed out talking about the dream i thought that was super sweet one scene we didn't mention is aoba knocking out the thief with the ball <laughs> oh that was good it, chapter was good it, it's only really marred by the which the only really truly gratuitous panty shot yeah. <laughs> in, in, the, in the whole book <laughs> but that's a great scene and then what's his name sanda yeah being touted as the hero and him going along with it because of course he would but also like he's in over his head with the lie like <laughs> it's it's a great character beat for him to make you like both love hate feel bad for him again it's just it's all just super smart storytelling and his stupid picture after like the news article with him smiling (laughs) 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 but but also before i forget to mention it one of the nice visual touches that i loved that they kept coming back to throughout the book were the two alarm clocks Uh. the happy and the sad alarm Mm. clock yeah, the fact that it's like a happy face and a sad face alarm clock too somehow just makes it feel even deeper. But there's like there's one page doesn't have a page number on it, just a screen grab where it goes. And then that year's long hot summer began, and it's just like mm. the three panels and like it, God, it's so it's good. so good. Just like the <laughs> shot of the clocks with the 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 sun hitting it, like that feels like a warm panel, which is amazing. And then, and then mm. the beautiful vertical cloud shot, quite quite lovely. Deb, did you have a favorite scene? I just keep going back to the funeral sequences because mm. they're just so beautifully done. I mean, when you just when you realize that how how he could have handled this, and how a lot of other people handle such an event, you know, with with crying and drama and people saying things, you know, through voice of it, like, oh, she was so young or whatever, that it is largely silent and just mm. lovely. Just um, builds in, in a really thoughtful way that, like Chip was saying, feels real. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, that no, people aren't, like Momiji on page 117, this looks curious. Cat, older sister, you know, comforts her. Aoba doesn't know what to think. Ko isn't reacting at all and that you know it's just like all this kind of you know that whole like couple of pages of chapters where Ko's dad gives him some money to go spend it wisely he goes to the batting cage 
uh, he, I mean, um, yeah, like, you know, it's just how they're dealing with it. And it's just, I just love how it's paced. Really nice. It felt very, the funeral with Ko on his tiptoes and most of the shots being sort of like adults from the shoulders up, like the kid's mm-hmm. view, is really deaf too. Yeah. Like there are so mm-hmm. many different touches in here. Like it feels true. Like I think my great grandmother on my grandfather's side died when I was like 11 or 12. And when he's like watching TV and like he kind of accepts the news and he hears it and it kind of upends him a little bit, but you don't really see how or why. That feels super realistic. Because yeah. there's no frame of reference for how you should feel at that point. I like that he wandered around. Well, like or that that could even happen. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. where are you going, Code? To the summer festival. The mother says, the festival, but. And then the father just holds the mother back. She looks at him. Father says, do you have any money? No. Gives him money. But how, how much is conveyed, you know, just by the expressions yeah. and the yeah. body language and just, it's so sweet and, and just amazing because you don't realize uh, how simple his drawing is, but it conveys so many shades of emotion. That's just that's great. That's wonderful. The bit where page 186 to 190, like the end of mm. the chapter, I realized that yeah. all the characters are doing what they do throughout the entire series, which is code needs someone to kind of point him in the right direction. And when he finds mm-hmm. it, like he's locked in, he's dead on. Akaishi's like kind of quietly keeping his feelings to himself, but like he's present. He cares very deeply, which carries through. Mm-hmm. And Aoba focusing on baseball because it's the thing she understands best. Like the pain of hitting the ball over and over and over, like centers her, I feel the implication. Yeah. Yeah, this is just what good comics look like. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing like Ko is being pointed what to do. It's like it's just this random guy at the festival saying, Hey kiddo, it's dangerous standing around like that. And then Ko says, Hey mister, what should I do? Guy goes, Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Ugh. brutal. Brutal. It was really I don't know. I get I I was hesitant to pick the funeral scene as my favorite, like you were saying, because it's the one that stands out because it is so strong. Mm-hmm. But I think that this book is, hmm. this book never stops asking the question, is it right to be doing something because you promised a 10-year-old dead girl that you would do it? (laughs) (laughs) And that is a hard question to answer. And it's a hard question to read about. Like, Ko's going to keep growing up and Wakaba's going to stay 10 forever in his mind as this like perfect person in this perfect moment. Same thing with Alba, same thing with, with Akaishi and everybody. And it's like, are we all doing this because of a promise that we made to somebody who isn't around to see it through, or are we doing it for ourselves? And that's something that, that does get answered as the series goes on. But that's like, to me, that's more like her. And it's, it's weird too, because you, as I'm saying this out loud, her death was kind of an inciting incident for a lot of the emotions in this story. It's not like getting fridged <laughs> either. Yeah. It wasn't like, cause that's whenever we talk about a female character dying to incite other characters, especially male characters to act. That's such a trope in North American comics that is not a positive trope. And I I personally don't feel like that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a story about death and about grief, but I don't yeah. know. You guys are... I mean, because it's... I mean, because her death affects everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, including, like, her all of her sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because this isn't, like, the hero's journey of Ko. It's like Ko and Aoba. But also all the yeah. secondary characters who kind of looked at her as like this kind of like just positive light force. Mm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in superhero comics, when that happens, like you know, 
you know, the term goes back to like, you know, Green Lantern finding his girlfriend in a fridge killed by the villain. Like, I mean, even just saying it just feels gross. Right. (laughs) Cause it's, 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 it's shock value for shock value. And, you know, to the, to the end of the hero who is male, but this just feels like so much deeper than, than Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, I think this is a lot about a lot of things. Oh, last question before final thoughts. Baseball. Not even once. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This actually teaches you about baseball, even if you don't want to know about baseball. And I'm it doesn't do it a lot in this first volume, but obviously as they go to like professional baseball matches, and there's little bits and stuff like is this too much baseball for you as people who are not even (laughs) one for baseball or is this like enough scene setting baseball that it doesn't piss you off too bad question mark they don't really yeah they really don't get into it here like like pitching and catching that's it and hitting Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i mean basically that's all baseball is but it's like oh he can pitch really well (laughs) she can pitch really well like oh he can't catch he better practice catching like you know like that that's that's the depth it gets into here like i don't know a lot about baseball like but i i never have like in high school i remember like my first girlfriend who i was sexually active with i just i just remember the idea that you had to like think about baseball in order to not ejaculate too fast but all I knew was the baseball player Roberto Alomar because he did commercials. <laughs> so I just go like, I just be having sex with my girlfriend, just going, oh, Roberto Alomar. I suppose he's a good baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> just over and over again. <laughs> that's it. That's that's my knowledge of baseball. So, uh... <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Yeah, I love it. Love it. But it didn't detract at all from 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 this. Like. Yeah. Okay. David? I like good drawings more than I dislike baseball. And this is like a series full of really great drawings of baseball. Like this is from some volume, but but I screenshot it in 2016. Wow. And it's just an amazing drawing of Ko throwing a pitch and losing his hat in the process. So that's a fair trade, I think, seeing a bunch of cool drawings in exchange for tolerating baseball. Or... 500 pages at a time. I feel like baseball is the kind of thing you get into a bit more as you get older. Like, I I like going to a baseball game now, even though I don't know anything about baseball because of the beer and the hot dogs and like just being outside. It's It's, it's it's a a vibe like that. Yeah. It's very gentle until it's not, which I like. Like, you can just talk to your friend for like half an hour and then something exciting happens and you're on your feet. You're like, what? Something exciting. And then you sit back down. Whereas basketball, Uh, you're just like, you're up. Like you're just, yeah, what? Yeah. Oh my, oh, and that, what? Oh, like it always feels like it's anybody's game. Then hmm. how about you? I'll say that baseball in Japan is distinctly different than baseball in America and has a different vibe. And it's, and you can feel it in any baseball manga and particularly in these types of baseball manga. It's about team sport. It's a team thing. Mm. It's not about a star, superstar player. It's also about, I mean, you can go ahead and pelt me with Nerf balls at Asian people, but come on, not a lot of Japanese football, American football players out there, okay? Like, (laughs) the physique of an Asian man is really good for baseball. (laughs) And 
it works. And then it it's somehow baseball yaku is very popular in Japan, more more so I think than it is in America, honestly. Mm-hmm. At a different level of like Koshien. Koshien the is is the, the the baseball tournament, high school baseball tournament, like it's the nationals for the high school belt. It is destination TV. It is as important as the World Series, important as Super Bowl yeah. in Japan. Wow. That's the level that was what every baseball manga, we're going to go to Koshien. Like, I don't think people Literally realize everyone. how hard it is to <laughs> get to Koshien. <laughs> it's like winning a Best Picture Oscar, okay? It's really hard with all the, you know, baseball. And then, but you just kind of go with the flow with it, right? Because baseball, like, if you want to, if you want to understand how beautiful, understated cross game is, check out Ace of the Diamond. <laughs> that's mm. another baseball manga. It's a current one. It's maybe like up to 40, 45. But it is much more traditionally baseball as, oh my God, he has a fork ball. Oh my God, his the way that he does it, he's a lefty, blah, blah, blah. Like all this technique, all this training, all this guts, all this yeah. announcing what, you're, what technique you're going to do, like you're going to do a Kamehameha, you know? It's way yeah. more drama, <laughs> and it's all about manly sportsliness. Whereas this is kind of sports is a backdrop, sports is a driver, sports is an engine, but the real story is the relationships, yeah. I think, and the mood that he yeah. sets. Mm-hmm. The scene where Ova is wrecking all the varsity batters would be totally different in Ace of the Diamond. Oh, like, oh, he'd be totally, yelling yeah. and calling the all her shots, and here it's like. I don't know, four pitches and a bunch of speed lines, and it's super exciting. Yeah. And that, that pose that she makes, like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like she's, <laughs> she's still, she's, she's still ready for more. That theme about, you know, like, it's a, such a shame that she's a girl because she would have been a superstar if she was a boy. That comes mm-hmm. up a bunch in sports manga in Japan, and that kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah. Like, no, it just seems unfair. <laughs> like, come on. Do they get into that being unfair in this? They do. It's explicit yeah. themes. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting too because he I don't think he's done a, a women's sports or like even a teen girl sports manga. But I guess but I don't think Shonen Sunday is ready for that either. It's 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 a boys magazine. Like mm. the fact that there are as many named female characters in this as there are <laughs> is you know, I think Sunday's always been a little bit different about that than than Jump has. But yeah, like Girls are icky is not the at least for this Shonen Sunday magazine is not or, or story is not the theme of this. Whereas there's some some other sports manga where that is the case. Yeah. So it is it is really interesting how they well sorry and it's really made explicit like Ko does the training that Alba did and Ko suddenly becomes the, the school's superstar like secret pitcher. Mm-hmm. All he needed to do was work as hard as the girl was working. And he could do that. I mean, obviously he has other stuff going on, but like that was actually a really explicit thing. Like girls are just as good as boys. And, you know, I think that that's pretty progressive within the context of a shonen uh, manga. Yeah. I wish it was different. I wonder if there is a girls baseball manga. That'd be kind of cool. It probably is, but it's not probably in English. Yeah. A shonen manga about girls playing baseball rather than a shoujo manga there, about girls. I'm playing trying to baseball, remember, but there, <laughs> but there is one. But there is Farewell, my dear Kramer, which is about women's soccer. That was oh, okay. That's, that's a really good. Yeah. One. <laughs> mm, what else is there? There's also that one about. There's a crimson, crimson something. Shoujo that's fight is volleyball. Mm. There's yeah. more. And Yawara, which never got licensed, so mm. pretend I didn't. It's in French. There you go. That's my out. 
And then he did happy, which is about tennis. Phew. It's a girl. It's girls volleyball manga has like a bummer ending. I thought Yawara was the judo. Judo one. Is Yawara the judo one? Was is happy the volleyball one then? No, happy is the tennis one. Goodness. Tennis. Which one am I thinking of? (laughs) All right. Check the show notes. I'm going to shut up. All right. Any final thoughts on this? The the most perfect manga of all time. (laughs) Why is there not more Mitsuru Adachi in English? Why? That sucks. Good question. Yeah, that's a final thought. There's just not a lot of this dude's work in English, and this apparently didn't sell very well when it came out. Because I think, like when I recommended it to Chip a few episodes ago, I said, it's a baseball manga, and he's like, I don't want to read about baseball. First of all, that is not what I said. It, it actually is. We Play the tape, David. Play, <laughs> play it into it. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if you just gave this a better design book... Like, like I think, I think the cover just makes it. It really made it feel so old. Like I was, yeah. When I, when I, because I, you know, I purchased it uh, digitally like a week before reading it, and I kind of I put off reading it because I'm just like I saw that cover. I'm just like, mm, this is this is going to be mm-hmm. like classics manga week all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I will say that Mix is available as an anime, so do check that out. I, I, it's a, that's a cross game got an anime it, and Viz licensed it and it's and it out isn't of available print. anywhere. <laughs> wow. Yeah, not even on, it's not on streaming. Viz delisted it from their website. <laughs> like this did not do well, and it's so surprising because it's so good, so good, so good. But like, what a bad cover! Like, I'm sorry, I'm just yeah. like, like I'm just looking at it, just like just just bo- bad watercolor. It feels so 70s. Like the, I think I'd, it has a playful simplicity. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> sure, sure. I think the material is inside is so damn strong. Like I, I love Ping Pong's cover. Mm. Modern, cool, utilizes the, the artwork from inside. Yeah, yeah. This needs something. I think that's a fair take, and I think it'll never get re-released, so it doesn't matter what we say. But if they are going to do any more Adachi in future. I mean, it's it's tough because this dude's like, I don't know, this dude's like Kirby. Like, he's so important in his context that if you go to him and say, we need to change your cover, it's like, yeah, Jack Kirby, we don't really like your cover. And so we've blown up a panel from the inside and are like treating it with some design stuff. I think it doesn't land the same way when you try to talk to cartoonists that way in Japan who are literal gods <laughs> or not, uh, let's say within their field yeah, or probably have Sama attached to their name when someone's talking to them instead of sensei. So it's tough. I, I understand what you're saying. I think you, I think ping pong was really lucky that someone like Matsumoto was open to having that work be presented in a different way in North America for sure. But it's sort of like, there's just a class of creator like Adachi or like Takahashi or like Naoki Takuchi who did Sailor Moon where, I mean, they get what they want yeah. and what they want is the thing that they did. And if America doesn't like it that way, then America doesn't get the book. And that, that friends is another secret of why certain manga doesn't get licensed. It's funny. I've, I've had conversations before with North American comic creators, usually image creators about mm. their books being translated into other countries and the troubles they have with the design in those countries. Oh, like like mm. if a French edition comes out and the cover is redesigned, it's like, oh, they want to fight them on everything. And I'm just like, you can't, like, first of all, you can't just have all those fights all over the world. Not Street Fighter. That's a lot of fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that is the plot of Street Fighter, yeah, though, to street. be fair. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but also, like, what, what, what you think, 
of as quote unquote good design here doesn't fly over there. What they think is good design there doesn't fly here. You know, I, I, I routinely shit on the color pages in these books and I stand by it. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but, you know, I'm clearly wrong in Japan. Like, like what I bring over there in color, they might be like, geez, like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> so sometimes the creator has like, there, there's, there are editions of sex criminals internationally that I'm just like, I wouldn't have made any of those choices, frankly, mm-hmm. but I know when to let go and be like, nope, let the designer do what they know is right for that market. So get it together. <laughs> Japanese Kirby's. let us license the work and then yeah that's the japanese cover there it's the same as the american Mm -hmm. cover except it just like even the font is a little bit like oh oh, oh, oh," you know and then they've actually got a section where they put all of the names of the characters on the cover not of the artist but like the cover Mm. and the cover design strongly evokes the other work that he's done Mm, like his work for mix kind of looks like this his work for his other baseball manga a touch does kind of look like this and his name in, is like pretty big actually in english and japanese which is a whole thing mm. but i think that that's like the japanese design is like this is a new mitsuro adachi book for fans of mitsuro adachi yeah. north america no one knows what the hell that means no <laughs> maybe means nothing so yeah i'm with you there man yeah. that's true so all right all let's right. let's let's us uh, adapt some of this stuff bring it over and um, I'll, I'll help you with the cover design. <laughs> You've got, you don't have a lot of time, right? Like we could actually just as a, for a lark, just redesign the cover of cross game volume one using interior artwork I'm, as something fun for you. To I do. am actually tempted. If I didn't have <laughs> four scripts to write next week, I would. <laughs> a likely story well we've got yeah. we've got a month before this hits, this hits live we'll see if chip has All found right. the time oh, god that would be this amazing an episode of long splitting <laughs> oh yeah i think it'll be amazing too stay tuned after the break i think we have a special extra book we're reading this week if not stay tuned you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another Manga Blind Date brought to you by Viz Media, who sent us a book to check out. None of us had read it before. None of us actually heard much about it before. So we all went into it pretty much blind. So this one is called To Strip the Flesh by Oto Toda, available now in print and digital. It's it's a one-shot manga. When I first picked it, I thought the whole book would be this, the To Strip the Flesh story, but actually that's maybe like the first half of it. And the rest of it are short stories. I'll read out 
business description. Chiaki Ogawa never doubted who he is, although the rest of the world hasn't been as kind. Bound by his mother's dying wish, Chiaki tries to be a good daughter to his ailing father. But when the burden becomes too great, Chiaki sets out to remake himself in his own image and discovers more than just personal freedom in his transition and finds understanding from the people who matter most. So this was, this is something that kind of caught me off guard. It was originally published in Jump Plus <laughs> as a short mm. story, which is very surprising. Like to give you some context, I think Don to Don was in Jump, is, which we talked about earlier, was in Jump Plus as well. All right, so. similar, similar. Sure. Uh, look back. <laughs> so anyway, let's just go right into this. Who wants to start? What'd you think of To Strip the Flesh? Yeah, I was actually maybe most shocked out of everything by getting to the end of the story and realizing that there were another hundred pages <laughs> of other stories. Because I was just like, the expectation, because I honestly just missed the table of contents somehow that said another story started on page 106. I was I was like, oh, oh, it's over. And I I think that's a huge compliment in a way because I wanted to stay with these characters. I wanted to find out more about Chiaki's journey and story and the next story, which is about, well, spoilers, it's about loving someone from beyond the afterlife, was jarring a little <laughs> bit. Because the first story was so grounded, like so grounded in a way that is like kind of shocking. So yeah, I think that it's on me as a reader for not paying attention to the table of contents. But when I went back and reread the story, it does end in a place that I'm happy with as a reader. Hmm. I think any lingering doubts I had were put to rest by the interview that's included at the end of the book. And man, I love bonus material. We've, we've kind of gone into this before. Like I want more bonus material in every single book. But the interview in this one, I thought between Motigi, who is a gay sex worker and novelist and writer and Twitterer and, and everything, and the author of this book really illuminated the author's own journey. Mm. And I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. I'm glad something like that was in the book to, I don't know. I think the story works on its own. I don't think it needs a lot of context. It is absolutely a story about transitioning and the expectations that are put on you in society and the expectations that you put on yourself because you're trying to anticipate what other people want or will think or will do if you are your authentic self. I think it was I think it was a good story and I think it was really good for the author to talk about how their issues around gender when they were at Shaki's age and younger were similar in some ways but different in others and had a different outcome and writing that this is not every trans story but is the story of this character I thought really put into perspective the events of the first half of this book, the first story, the To Strip the Flesh story. And then rereading it, I was just like, I felt really good about it. I was really into it as a story. Yeah. And I think it is heavy. Uh, and I think it's going to land with some people in a way that is not how it landed with me. But I also think that it's a story of this character and it's, it's well told. So, yeah, that's to strip the flesh, the story to strip the flesh. The rest of the material is interesting, but does not live up to that first story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've talked a lot. Chip, did you, did you feel the same way about that as I did? Or do you think this is all of a piece? Or Wait, there were more stories? Are you joking? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, all over I'm, I'm so known for uh, uh, not understanding the assignment. 
Yeah, I, I, I love the first story. And unlike Chris, I usually hate back matter. Mm. I don't really need people to talk about their art. But in this case, I, I kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so sorry, but that's how I feel. But in this case, I actually wanted to know more about mm. about the creator and their background, their intentions, and kind of their story, just because it, it, it is such a personal thing. And it's, I'm like, is the person who created this trans like Mm -hmm. like i I kind of i kind of i wanted to know more about them and i'm glad i did because i I thought it was a really good conversation and all the similarities like you were saying between their real life and the character here i didn't realize that anyone had a a passion for becoming a youtube star butchering animals (laughs) apparently (laughs) it's quite lucrative (laughs) apparently it's quite lucrative i i love that the story also kind of open with him Mm. And the kind of, I was going to say casual misogyny, but just like all the YouTube comments kind of flooding mm. the the screen as he was like working away on butchering the animal. It's pretty active. Yeah. Pretty active misogyny. Yeah, but also it's just like, oh yeah, just that kind of burden, especially since he knows he's a man. Mm. I thought the the fantasy dream sequence. Ooh, yeah. Was that was so so heavy, super intense, but really well done. I don't really want to spoil it because it's like you know this is blind date. These aren't you know books from a few years ago. They're books people hopefully purchase right now, but really evocative. And I also like the fact that the core of this, I mean, it's a trans story, but it's also just about the expectations of parents and mm-hmm. how you try to live up to that. Mm-hmm. Which is relatable kind of across the board, I think. Mm-hmm. And with, with a really, really nice kind of outcome as well. The, the backup stories, I agree with Chris, weren't super necessary to this. I kind of see why they put them in there, because it is a kind of a slight volume without them. Mm-hmm. They do kind of run the gamut. A few of them I quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> Some were very cute. Yeah, I like the, the David in Love. <laughs> hmm. That was the award winner. So that was actually oh, really? really interesting. So yeah, I went and read everything and Deb compiled some some notes about the book. Okay. And David and Love was actually their first work. Oh. So this is actually this actually represents in in the shorts, the little two pages at the back are things that they did as like a class project. Yeah. Like a special thing. This is like their first works. Yeah. All yeah. together in one book. I was gonna say I think that that's why I kind of give it a pass. Like it is so rare to get something like this from a creator to see their earliest works from before they've even made their professional debut, their very first short story, which is the David in love, which won a ton of awards and things like that. Yeah. Or won a big award and then was like really well received. And that led to them going to, and getting their first professional work. So yeah, this, sorry. This, I didn't this, no, this, that. this makes sense. Cause like mm. David in love had a lot of charm, but it wasn't necessarily super well illustrated. Mm. Like the storytelling was kind of off in that one. And a few of them were, you know, I could tell they were early works. The the two the two pagers felt very much just like Twilight Zone short stories where you kind of see most of these you could just see where they were where the twist was. Almost all of them had some sort of like weird little twist. Mm. But I also really liked the wound, which was the one with the fish. Oh, the sunfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very it was very very funny, very charming. So yeah, I don't think the backups were necessary, but there were a few kind of nice little gems in there. And it is nice to kind of have the context of the creator's various works. The short ones reminded me of like Usumaru Furuya's shortcuts. And like some of them are mm. quite absurd and funny. 
Yeah. Deb, Deb, I don't know manga. No, no, no. <laughs> but I was just saying okay. that a print. you couldn't possibly, you couldn't know possibly, it. but it was, so I forgive it for it. You know, the, the quirkiness of it. I'm sometimes I look at the whole, you know, like I said, I wasn't expecting it to be that story plus more, but yeah. when you read them all together, you go, Oh, okay. I'm starting to see this creator's sensibilities. Yeah. Like there's some thread that goes through it. I can't quite define it, but there's a certain interesting, like humor, dark, personal point of view that's kind of unique. And I'll be interested to see what this creator does next. I guess what was kind of interesting for me is like, well, To Strip the Flesh was about, you know, Chiaki and his father and the relationship and the expectations. The hot watermelon story was kind of horrifying, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really interesting because it was about this boy's relationship with his mother and how, you know, she's smiling at him and he he imagines like his her kindness and smiles as being shards of glass piercing him like it feels oppressive yeah. and then he has to deal with like through some magic thanks to some watermelon seeds he he starts to feel his mother's point of view like what it feels like to give birth the happiness the pride of you know having a baby and then he changes his way so it's kind of like it's an interesting companion piece to to strip mm-hmm. the flesh but to strip the flesh i, I I was, I like I said, I went in blind, and I was completely, I uh, kind of shocked and surprised by how, how raw it was. I mean, not to make a pun on the meat and all that, <laughs> but I also kind of thought, like I had just read Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe recently, mm. and uh, there's also Boys on the Riot, which is another transgender book, and there's another one called uh, The Boy Was a Bride, and comparing those stories and their perspectives on the transgender experience. This is so different. <laughs> this is, yeah. It's so, mm, it's really raw. It's really kind of, it's uncomfortable in its, mm-hmm. in its frankness. But it's also, I guess, what, I guess what I ended up feeling was like, wow, you know, there is no one transgender story. There is no one transgender experience. There is no one way yeah. to tell this story. And I'm curious to see how people re- receive this book because I think it is interesting. It's really thought provoking. I think it's generally well drawn. Yeah, but yeah, it caught, completely caught me off guard. I want to talk about the watermelon story for just a quick moment. There's some really nice art in there of when he has all of the shards of glass mm. in him that are sort of sticking out, pointing out. Mm. I think it's around a page 120 or something like that. Mm. And then the next panel cuts to his mom spontaneously suffering all the same wounds in the same places that he's got shards of glass sticking out it was one of those moments where i was like oh this artist really has something going on like i thought it was a well done the perspective was really well done and interesting i'm sorry i wish i could i had the page open in front of me but there was a couple of moments throughout the book that had attention to detail like that Mm -hmm. in the art that i think elevated it above the this is a new artist who's doing sort of new things Mm -hmm. so the first one was look at page 152 and 153 with the shards of glass Mm. and the sort of perspective on 152 in particular, he's going in to hug his mother while he's got these shards of glass that he thinks that she has put into him Mm. inside of him. And then in the next panel, he's standing back and she's got all the same wounds. And I thought that that was a really well done bit of visual metaphor when it's, I want you to feel what I'm feeling Mm. without being too obvious. But the other art thing that really got me And this is not just a this artist thing, but this is a manga thing. And it shows that this artist is paying attention to detail. 
the way the artist draws masculinity when it Mm -hmm. comes to Chiaki's father is fascinating to me because Mm -hmm. he's almost drawn like he's not a manga character in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. He's sort of really big and he's really hairy and he's really imposing looking, which is, I think, how a lot of people's dads feel to them. Mm -hmm. But things like the panel that is sort of shot from behind his face on page 71, Mm -hmm. where... And this happens a lot where you just get like the glimpse of the side of his face and it's not like the world's best drawn profile or, or three quarter behind profile of a character, but the hair. You think about manga that we've read. No one's ever hairy. Uh, the bottom of page 50 is another good example. Mm. It was actually the first time I noticed it where you get the back of this dude's head and it's just like the little bits of his beard growing in the, like the way his hair is drawn on the back of his head. It's, the author is paying attention to the artist slash author is paying attention to the ways in which we depict and project masculinity in the world. And like, I can't even think of like, you think of people that we like artistically, like Jiro Taniguchi or something like that. I don't think any of his characters have even had stubble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and this is something where it's like, no, this is a thing that's important because Chiaki getting a, like the first hair on his, on his, on his chin was important. He can't grow a mustache later in the book, and so he grows with a goatee instead, sort of like his dad has. Like that—that that is such an amazing attention to artistic detail that I think again elevates this past a first work or a first year of work, early work kind of a situation. Hmm. Yeah, I also kind of thought I was interested in the the friend Takato as an ally. Ah, yeah, he was mm-hmm. very interesting. You know, like he was there supporting. Chucky, what uh, first period, <laughs> like, and like not freaking out, say, oh, gross. It's saying, oh, I can go get some pads from my sister. Like, yeah, yeah. And just like, even telling him, like, if you're going to go to Thailand, you know, you, even if you get the sexual reassignment surgery, you, you still might not be happy. And I thought yeah. that was really an interesting voice of a Yeah. The fact that he did the research on it too, just like knowing his friend is going through a thing and like actually, you know, preparing to help him through this, I thought was really uh, a really sweet touch. But yeah, I think the one complaint I have about this book is that it leads off with a lot of acronyms that they never explain mm-hmm. until the very end. Yeah, yeah, they're in, they're glossed at the back, and I think that that's an interesting choice considering and the glossary explains this that Mm. these are acronyms that are still in use in japan but are not in use in the west Mm. so they've chosen to leave them in as the original you know acronyms that are that are used in the japanese story and then gloss it and explain why they're used in the back but they are you know pretty offensive to some people these days and i think the context is really good but i do think it's a little confusing for people who just pick up the book Mm -hmm. yeah i will say that emily the translator is also trans so I, th- oh, I think they they put a. Awesome. I think much like with Boys Run the Riot, the publisher Viz and with Boys Run the Riot Kodansha, they put a lot of care into choosing translators, letterers who could relate to this experience. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting touch. There's more of this type of book out there now, and more than I've ever seen in ever. <laughs> oh yeah, so, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting to me. I don't think it's preachy necessarily. I think it's, it still works as a piece of graphic storytelling. Oh, it's not preachy at all. In yes. fact, it goes out of its way to, like, it's taking all the preachy, like, I've learned things from books and from my life experiences stuff, and then filtering it through disemboweling animals. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> there's no, 
you're, you don't have to worry about it being didactic. Like it's really going out of its way to be like, this is a very specific experience and we're reading a story and reading that people freaked out and loved it on the Jump online app so much so that it got that little sequel one, Chiaki and Takako, where you get to see that Takako's got a, a, a girlfriend now and mm-hmm. And but the Chiaki is like a, a lady killer now that he's <laughs> yeah, transitioned. Yeah. Like everybody who falls in love with him is like pretty cool as well. <laughs> like I thought that was like a fun, like I'm glad that that character got more, but it's pretty clearly because the jump audience is like, tell us more about the best friend, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fan service. <sighs> love it. Or ignore it. Yeah. Well, I guess the question that I always ask at the end of these segments is would you go on another date with this book? But since it's a one shot. I guess, would you recommend it to other people to read? I want people to find this book. I have no problem. Mm, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase. I think this is the kind of book that I'm glad that we're covering and I'm glad we're talking about and people are going to learn about it from being on the podcast. But I think it's also the kind of thing that a lot of people who are facing dysphoria issues need to find on their own. And I think that it if more than anything, I'm glad that it exists and that it'll be on a library shelf. It'll go to schools. There's nothing in it that makes it inappropriate. Well, there's not, nothing inappropriate. There's nothing in it that makes it inappropriate for a school in a sane world. Yeah, is what I want to say about that. And yeah, I I I know you know we're I'm I'm glad this is out there, and I think people, especially cis people, should read it because it is a, you know, it's why people read books. It's to learn about other people's experience and other other life you know experiences. And I want to read what this author does next. I think that it's fascinating that they were the Chainsaw Man dude's like assistant. And you can kind of see it mm. in the stories being told here, like in that kind of same vein and just a little bit too much, but in a way that is pretty interesting. <laughs> just like look back and just like Chainsaw Man itself and Fire Punch. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, like I think these are stories that are a lot, but that really grip people. So yeah, I totally want to read what this author does next. I don't know that I'm going to like it as much as this, but I I do know that they're doing some interesting stuff. How about you, Chip? Yes. <laughs> I don't have to talk about. It. I will. I will cede my time to Christopher Butcher. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'd, I'd recommend. I don't really have any caveats. Like, like, like any of the books that we've covered. Like, you kind of know the tastes of the people you're recommending stuff to, and there's people in my life that I would recommend this to, and people that I probably wouldn't recommend it to. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Deb, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, even for like an, from an indie comics point of view, because there's some interest. Like, like you were saying, there's some really interesting ways that the visual storytelling is done. Really interesting mm. emotional point of view. Even if you're, even if you have almost no interest or, you know, empathy for or about transgender issues, I think these are these are also interesting stories about parents and children. Mm-hmm. So I think it, you know. Even if you're not interested in the LGBTQ aspect of it, I think it's a it's a worthwhile story to read. Yeah. Mm. Alrighty. To strip the flesh by Ota Tora is available now from Viz Media and Print and Digital. Go to bit.ly TSTF podcast to read a free preview. All right, and we're back. And hopefully you all enjoyed that second bonus book. And if that actually didn't come through with the sponsor, well, then I hope that you had a nice break. <laughs> we are not doing picks this week. We're going to do picks next week. So just shout outs this week. And I thought I would actually thank Mr. Chip Zdarsky 
for recommending me the new Kids in the Hall series. When I saw him in person, because he's visiting Toronto, he's away from his island, and he said he watched the first two episodes and they were good. And so I could like safely dive back into Kids in the Hall, which I loved a lot. And yeah, I finished it. We finished it in like like three nights and that yeah. took a lot of willpower. We liked it quite a bit. Some misses, but a lot of hits. And overall, we feel very good about it. Feel very good about having watched the new Kids in the Hall. It's on Prime right now. Check it out if you're a fan. I think that you will not be disappointed. Let me just add, the misses were still better than the misses from back in the day. Like They're still of, of nice. a higher quality than the misses from the original series. I was talking to Fraction about it over the past couple of days. He's like, He's like, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't like outright misses. Whereas back in, back in the series, there were a few that were just like outright misses. Mm. Like, yeah. You want to dig in? Cause the, the, the only thing I was disappointed in was we only got one Bruce song and I didn't like it. Yeah. That was, <laughs> uh, that was unfortunate. Yeah. Cause the concept of it is so good. Mm-hmm. The song is called, I'm not crazy. I just can't find my glasses, which is like <laughs> such a good idea. Yeah. You're kind of like frantically looking around. It's like, yeah, the song did not deliver on that promise, and I was so <laughs> let down by it. I know. And that was the thing that actually let me down, but everything else, up to and including that majestic glory hole sequence. In- glory I told you. I told wow. you. Yeah. Yeah, this is, oh, there's God, some dick God. in this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was good. You were right. It's, yep. it's, you were right. I'm glad I watched it. Chip, thank you for your shout out. Do you have another shout out that myself or other people might enjoy? Yeah, I mean, look, I am here in Toronto, and I'm alone. My wife is back in British Columbia, and so I have done the thing I swore I would never do again, and I'm playing a video game. <laughs> and oh my God. it's Perfect. the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Oh, it's good. Yeah, so like uh, the first Spider-Man game is the only time I've achieved 100% on a game. Mm-hmm. Like I just did everything. And uh, within four days, I did 100% on the Miles Morales game. Because <laughs> oh. I'm just like, well, well, here we go. I always forget, like, the first the first hour of playing, I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Like, I can't play video games. Why would I bother? I think, oh, frustrating. I got to start over. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm just like, I'm a pro. I'm just I'm webbing people up left, right, and center. I'm delivering <laughs> Spider-Man justice all around town. And it's great. It's a great game. Yeah. Good job. Good job, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I've been streaming that game over the past like I guess two years now for my little brother he and has. sister on YouTube. We're like an hour from the end. We gotta get back on it. But it's a good game to like talk to or like to share with people too, I feel. Like there's some oh, cool yeah. Spider Man things in there. Yeah, totally, totally. And man, like it's just such a fun I, I remember being at the Marvel Summit, the retreat where the video game vice president showed up and showed us mm-hmm. like the game before anyone else got to see anything from it. And I was just like, what? Like, this is nuts. Like this is going to change my life. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's great. And I begged them to let me do a design a costume for the new game. And they're like, Oh yeah, Cheryl, we'll talk to some people. Like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the chip Starsky, nine ninety nine one costume paid DLC. It's just yeah. one sale to chip. <laughs> yep. <laughs> No, that's yeah. good. That's good. Deb, do you have any shout outs this week? Shouts out. Mm, let's see. Actually, I'll thank you. I, I read My Love Mix Up in volume two because of you, and it was so good. I'm totally hooked on that series. I'm going to read it all the way through now. Yay. Every quarter, I'll be chomping at the bit for a new volume. So <laughs> thank you as well. Excellent. Well, 
it's either manga or anime, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I've got I've money been watching on this. Dance Dance Dancer. <laughs> it's based on a manga by George Asakura. It's on Crunchyroll now. It's about a, a boy who falls in love with ballet, but he comes to it. He, um, I guess, delays getting into it because his father was a stunt coordinator. So after his father dies, he gets into Jeet Kune Do. And then mm. later on, he rediscovers his love of ballet and it becomes this. this it's like sports manga, actually, but it, yeah. mm-hmm. with, with a soundtrack. I like it. <laughs> nice. And it's uh, really dramatic and interesting. And I got so into it, I went and bought the rest of the 20 volumes of the manga because I just wanted to see how it goes in Japanese. Oh, <laughs> me, me and Google Translate are good buddies now. Deb, I don't know where you get the money. Do you like knock over <laughs> banks or something? Dun, dun, dun. Let's just say I have a day job. Oh, uh, <laughs> day job. Yeah, I, 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 as a bank robber. Yeah, yeah. I it get ain't manga that's paying for the manga, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and David, I think we're we're waiting for your, your shout out as well, are we not? Yeah, I am also winging this one, but I'm going to recommend some more sports anime. So mm. there's a manga called Ashita no Jo, which is classic, super classic boxing manga. And reading Cross Game, whose name I immediately forgot after recording the episode about it. <laughs> the little boxing interlude in there reminded me like Ashito Joe is really fun, but the easiest way to see it right now is the Tomorrow's Joe Blu-rays that have recently come mm. out. You can find them on Right Stuff or Amazon. I think they might be streaming, but like the VOD kind of streaming, not free streaming. It's yeah. just really solid boxing anime where it gets really intense for kids because it's from the 70s. But the animation is so good. It's like very seedy in all the right ways, I would say. <laughs> nice. You know, like the guy walking down the street with like the fluorescent lights like flashing behind him. Oh, yeah. Down oh, nice. One of those. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I want to see this. <laughs> also, a shout out from Mix Meisei Story, which is another Mitsuru Adachi story that's adapted. It's on Crunchyroll. So if nice. you want to mm. see what the pacing and the, the the action of a Mitsuradachi baseball story in an anime, that's a that's mm-hmm. probably your most accessible option. Mm. That's interesting. Pretty good. I can't remember if you recommended it on here either, but I actually watched the first episode of Kotaro Lives Alone. Oh, it yes! On, it's on Netflix, and it's an anime about a five-year-old boy that moves into an apartment complex that's sort of filled with degenerates, like this, like, <laughs> screw-up mangaka, and this, like, host club gal and a Yakuza guy, and I haven't seen who's in the last two apartments yet. But it's really um, weird and hit me in the feels a lot. And Andrew was like, I like that, but I can't watch another one right now. It's too much. And I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> now you know how I feel all the time. But yeah, Kotaro Lives Alone. I know that. I think that was you that recommended it, mm-hmm. right, Deb? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's really great. Very good. Very, like, very actually much tonally close to cross game. It's not, it's not exactly sad and it's not exactly like wistful and up its own butt and there's like lots of like good humor <laughs> that punctuates the proceedings so it doesn't ever get too heavy but if you think about it for even a moment you kind of collapse from sadness good mm-hmm. he's I like five it. years old and then he lives in an apartment by himself we don't quite understand how he has the rent or how he can live alone but he does and then he talks in like this really stilted medieval japanese way he's super okay. polite <laughs> in a really like a like a medieval Japanese kind of way, like if he's, but it's because there's there's this cartoon that he loves and admires. So all the all the adults around him are like, he's super polite in a weird way. 
yeah, like overly they, polite in a yeah. way that would make someone feel uncomfortable. Yeah. It's it's quite it's really there's a lot strange. going on and we've only seen the first episode. I can't wait to get through the end of it actually. It's pretty good. It's good. It's satisfying. Oh. Sounds oh, good. good. Thank you. All right. Well, this has been an episode of Manga Explaining. Thanks so much, guys. I'm really glad you liked the book too. That was great. Yeah. And we will be back next week where we read a Deb pick, actually, and Deb will be hosting. And it is in the clear moonlight dusk Min- moonlit dusk oh i'm gonna have to get that right at some point in Eventually. the clear moonlit dusk and we- are we reading volume one and volume two or volume one we only picked volume one at the time but you were like maybe volume two if you feel motivated and have the time please read volume two because volume two is when like in my love mix-up it's when the, the the side characters really come into their own and it really gets fun all right fine uh, it's fast. It's shoujo manga. There's like four panels <laughs> per page with a lot of screen tone. So, <laughs> all right, done. I did just remember a sub shout out. If I have a second, I will allow it. I mentioned the <laughs> best joke earlier of someone being confused when someone else introduces himself, and mm. our very own Chip Zdarsky did that in Spider-Man: Spider Shadow, the What If story. Did I? There's this bit at the end. It's actually in this thread. I just saw when I was looking. <laughs> when Doc, Eddie Brock's taking over Doc Ock's arms, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, well, you never fought me, Spider Man." Spider Man's like, "Buddy, I don't know who the f you are." <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, I remember that now. <laughs> so well done, Spider Man, Spider Shadow. Check that out. That whole thing well, was just so I could have a character named Brock Ock. <laughs> <laughs> I would a hundred percent believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly the genesis of that. <laughs> Oh, see, behind the scenes. Ladies and gentlemen, Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for listening this week. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one. This has been Manga Explaining, episode number 66. Cross Game by Mitsuru Adachi. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga In the Clear Moonlit Dusk by Mika Yamamori. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. You can find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com or check out our digital publishing endeavor and newsletter at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.